0: I am overjoyed at what God is up to in this place. I'm overjoyed at what God is up to in your lives. I'm overjoyed at at the stories of people fighting through the distractions this week. When we come into an idea like the Women's Conference, you come into an idea of of just church in general, there's something that happens, there's something that just uh, walls go up on a Sunday morning. Your kids act a fool. You know, things happen. You just like, I don't even want, I can't, I can't even like, stop. Just let me sit here with a cup of coffee. Cause the rest, you guys are just crazy. You lost your mind this morning, right? Like I'm not the only one that that happens to. I leave the house early enough that none of those distractions can happen to me. So I just like, I'm leaving. Why are you leaving at four o'clock in the morning, Jared? I'm getting out, getting out. Um, right. And so I just don't let those distractions. Don't let those, those roadblocks keep you from encountering God. And uh, and so it's just, there's that overwhelming power of love and plugging into it. And there's something that happens when we come corporately together and worship uh, together in these moments. So uh, just don't let it distract you. Don't let it fight you. Don't let it defeat you. This morning we're talking, we're continuing our series on neighboring. Um, We've been talking about neighboring in a way, um, as Jesus has told us, there's two major things that we have to do with our lives. If we come in contact with God, there's there's two commandments. There's only two. Like we put all kinds of extra stuff in there, right? I have all kinds of a to-do list of how I'm supposed to have a relationship with God, how I'm supposed to live this life, how I'm supposed to do all these things. Jesus says, there's two. Cut all the other stuff out. Love the Lord your God with everything that you have and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That's it my to-do list on my religiosity scale has got all these complicated things in there and I got to hold my tongue right and I got to lean right and I got to do all these things right. No, love God and love people. Now, I made that really simple, but those are really hard because people stink and I get really frustrated with God. Can I be honest, right? Because he doesn't do what I want him to do all the time and if he would just take my order right and it'd be here in five minutes or less, I'd be very happy if you'd heal the people I want him to heal, if you'd fix the marriages I want him to fix, if you would just and be a, a, be a genie in a bottle for me, that'd be so much nicer. That's not the way it works. And people are people and he created them. I don't know why, but uh, he, he he did it, but he calls us to love them with everything that we have. Love our neighbor as ourself, which means you got to love them deeply, widely, intentionally. And, um, that's not necessarily the easiest thing to do, and so we've been exploring that, and we're going to continue to explore that. If you've joined a life group here at the church, you've been exploring it there as well, and so we've just been had a, having a fantastic time exploring that, and I want to thank my life group uh, for uh, being all my sermon illustrations. I really, really appreciate them giving those to me. Uh, it's just a, uh, it's a, a blessing of, of being a part of my life group. You get to be my I... guinea pigs. Um, <laughs> But as we explore that, uh, let's, let's bring up the scripture of Mark 12, verse 28 and 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had, sorry, I can't read, had given them a good answer. He asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important answer, Jesus, is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And what Jesus is doing is he is quoting back the most famous scripture in all of uh, the Old Testament, the Shema, uh, which is Deuteronomy, in Deut- found in Deuteronomy. And, and every kid would have known this, memorized this, would have had it written in their house. This would have been who they were. They would have known it like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah Jesus is right. There you go. Good job, Jesus. Like he, he checked off the box of what you're supposed to do right? That'd be like, basically he's quoting John three sixteen, 16, the equivalent of it to a Jewish audience. Okay. So, oh, oh well, well, he Tim Tebowed it. So he got it right. Uh, so, so there's that, but then he throws in this kind of more obscure passage in, uh, I can't remember the verse number of it, but he throws in a more obscure passage in love your neighbor as yourself. Now that's often like, like passed over. Well, I don't want to love them. They're weird and they do things and they, they mess up but he throws it in there. So it's follow-up question of then who is my neighbor? And Jesus responds to this idea of who is my neighbor with picking the most uh, polarizing figure he possibly could have. He just, he just like, you know, people that can push your buttons, right? He just, mm. And that guy, like, you can't look at any of his posts on Facebook, like, from primary season to November, like there's one week in December where he's like, yay, Christmas. And that's the only time you can read any of his posts. Like it's that guy. Like, and he's just and poking and poking and poking and poking and poking and poking. And so he picks the good Samaritan story. He tells this beautiful parable of that brings up all these race issues. It brings up all these uh, culture issues. It brings up all these religious issues. He says, yeah, you even got to love like that guy. Ah, and people understandably get kind of frustrated with that, but that's what he's saying. You've got to, everyone. If you were drawing breath on this earth, you are a neighbor and that person is a neighbor. And so what must we do? The commandment is love your neighbor. So you can't be like, Oh, well they live in Africa. I don't have to love them. They live in China. I don't have to love them. They live in North Korea. I don't have to love them. Nope, 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 nope. You share this planet. We share a common address, earth, and we have to love them, okay? So now we've got that cleared up. Um, that's, that doesn't mean it's easy. And once again, remember, like I said last week, just because you, you, know, you don't have to even like your neighbor, but you've got to love them. Because and, and, liking and loving is totally different, right? It, it is. Like, I might not enjoy your presence, but I can still love you. We all have relatives. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't have a brother or sister. I, I didn't get trained in that. This came upon me later in life. But, you know, anybody who has a brother and sister, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't like you! Yeah, but you gotta love them. Mm, you may be sitting next to that person right now. I don't know. It's, 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 Doug's here today with Kathy. So welcome back. It's good to see you. Uh, so. Yeah, the brothers and sisters are smiling the most right now. This is the funny part. So, how do we do this neighboring thing? Neighboring is an attitude shift. Sorry, neighboring is not a list of to-dos, it's an attitude shift. Neighboring is not a list of to-dos. When we start approaching the subject of neighboring and I start saying, we have got to be a better neighbor, automatically in our brains is, does this mean I have to, like, mow their grass or shovel their snow or cook them dinner or do all i got to do all these things. I don't want to do all those things. I don't even like these people. No, neighboring is an attitude shift, not a to-do list. Because no one here needs more things to do on their to-do list. We don't. It's long enough. But we do need attitude shifts. Neighboring is not a to-do list; it's an attitude shift. Uh, this happened to me this week, and you might have noticed this on the emails that went out. As a kid's school, uh, at our kid's school, one of the families had their house burned down this week um, while they were sleeping. A cell phone charger um, caused a fire, and so if you have a frayed cell phone cord go spend the $3 and buy a new, I'm sure they would have rather spent the $3 on a, on a cell phone charger than have their house burned down. So this is what happens. They all got safe, but basically they left the house with what the shoes on their feet. They could grab on the clothes, all gone, everything gone, everything gone. Like what was ever in there on their possession is all they have left. And so in our HOA, we sent out, I said, guys, one of our neighbors lost their house. It's not in my subdivision, but, uh, there's only three subdivisions in the whole school. You guys know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so can't talk. It's kind of a problem for my profession. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm so excited for that last song. I can't even get my thoughts straight. So what we had is this opportunity to be a neighbor. We have an opportunity to be a neighbor. They lost everything. What does that mean? And honestly, before just even thinking about neighboring, I'd have been like, well, that stinks for them. But you know, okay, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll pray for them. What am I going to do? And I said, wait, 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 we can do stuff. There's just, Facebook is often used for evil. It can be used for good as well. Right? And so let's mobilize. I had clothes and donations and blankets and stuff just delivered to my porch all week long. Just, Just dump, like, we don't, I don't even know what to do with this. Like, I'm going to have to rent a U-Haul to get it to the, you know. It's just insane. They took, I think, four carloads of stuff to their grandma's house where they're staying at now because the school just overwhelmingly started bringing stuff in for this family. Kelly was uh, in the, they were all brought it into the library and the um, and the media center and they were sorting it in there and one of the little girls comes in and she goes, this is all for us? Like, was blown away by the generosity of people being the simple act of neighboring. Not just saying, you know what, I'll pray for you. Well, you, you should have had a better cell phone cord. You know, it's, that's what you should have. That's not helpful, right? Instead, just this overwhelming, what could I do? What, can, what do they need? What's going on? What, how do I help? How do I do this? And that changes, like, the love that they're feeling right now is because people are being neighbors. That's an attitude shift. Not, oh, man, well, uh, I got to, I don't really want to go to Walmart and have to buy something for them. Ugh. Right? That's a to-do list attitude. What happens when our attitude shifts? Like, how do I love well in this moment? Instead of, instead of asking, what am I supposed to do? How about let's ask the question, who am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to be? That's a much harder question. It's a much deeper question. And it's a lot more reflective in the, in this moment. Who am I supposed to be? Who am I becoming? I'm reading a book that Paul Minch gave me right now called, uh, the mind of Christ. And I've been reading this book, and, and it's not a quick read, but if you'd lo- you want to have your brain scrambled, pick this book up. Um, but I've been reading it and, and reading a chapter over and over again here because it's just been working on me. But in this idea of mind of Christ, he keeps on talking about how, how do you, you kind of just take on this mantle of Christ? How do you become more like him in what you're doing? Neighboring is this idea to live out your neighbor. If we're, It's one of the two great commandments, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. How do we do that? Like, right. The only way we do that is if we start taking on the mind of Christ. What does that look like? How does that change our neighboring? Well, the things that this author puts forward and I've kind of changed a little bit, but this, this idea of neighboring really, really, really encapsulates the mind of Christ because I can't love my neighbor appropriately if I have Jared's mindset. Because Jared's mindset sees all the things wrong with their house, all the things they haven't upkept, their crazy kids and the dog and the car that's leaking oil and all of this stuff. That's Jared's mindset, right? But if I have the mind of Christ, I start to see the opportunities to love, the opportunities for who they are instead of all the obstacles that they, uh, they bring up. You see the difference? And so how do we do that? Because that's not an easy task. This is not something easy. It's not. It's not. We do this by this. We must be watchful for opportunities. This is one of the first traits of what, what, what Jesus does differently in that we can, we can have this. Like we can't, we can't be Jesus. He's fully God and fully human at the same time. So, but we can mimic some of his traits. We can be watchful for opportunities. Jesus is constantly in all of his interactions looking for opportunities to speak love and speak truth into people's lives. He's constantly looking for that. People um, Where other people see uh, disturbances... And uh, roadblocks and speed bumps. Jesus sees opportunities. We can change our mindset to look for those opportunities as well. Be watchful for opportunities. The second thing we can do, we we must be obedient to leading. Is it probably like if we're just watchful and we never act, all we're doing is eavesdropping. (laughs) Right? If we're being watchful, but we never act, all we're doing is eavesdropping. We must be obedient to leading. And so when Jesus, uh, when the Holy Spirit prompts our heart to say, hey, you should go talk to that person, you should go do this, you should, God, I don't want it. Why, do, why would I do that? I, I, that's, a, that's a dangerous question to start asking. Like God, God's like, nah, nah, you don't need to know the whole why is, what's, when, where. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. So if you feel a weird prompting that like I should go do that, just go do it. You have no idea. You may have been praying for a job opportunity for a long time, right? You're just praying for a job. God, why don't you give me a job? Why don't you give me a job? Why don't you give me a job? Well, I've been telling you to go uh, shovel your neighbor's driveway. I, was like, I don't want to go do that. I want you to give me a job. I've been telling you to go. Sho-. You go, finally go obedient over there, and all of a sudden you get a job out of you know who knows what connections they have. There's, there's stories like that that happens all the time, and you're like, oh, see, see, see what you did there, God. But we want God to be our genie in a bottle. We want to oh, do it my way, please, instead of being obedient to his leading. We must be obedient to his leading. Uh, The third thing is we must be creative in our approach. We must be creative in our approach. I love this one. I love to be creative in figuring out how do we love, how do we care for, um, how do we interject God's love into people's lives in a creative way. So often we get pigeonholed in this idea of, well, and this is this is in the New Testament, the Pharisees are not creative people. It has to be this way. It has to be in this box. It has to be, this, this is the only way that God can work because I said so. And that's the only way that, that God can work. And Jesus is constantly taking the box and going, whee! And they hate him for it. But there's no reason that we can't be creative in that. And and so often we think of church like, oh, I can't be artistic. I can't have fun. I can't do this. I can't do that because I got to do exactly what I'm supposed to do in, in, in church. And that's not right at all. Let's be creative in our approach and how we love people. The way in which God has gifted and made you to love people, it could be totally different than the way in which he has made me. Right? I know it is. Because I approach the world in a totally different way than you do. I have a different story than you do. I have different points of contact with people than you do. And God made us that way for a reason. So that the way in which Chris interacts with somebody, with her incredible acts of service, is totally different than the way in which I would act with somebody. Just because we're wired differently. And God says, I know. I created you all. There's a reason for it. We must be creative in our approach. And then finally, and this was a hard one, we must be diligent in our effort. We must be diligent in our effort. That means we don't give up. Because I don't know about you, but I like to try to love somebody, and then it's rebuffed, and I'm like, well, write that off my to-do list. They're done. Never talking to them again. Guess what? People are messy, and they might have had a bad day, and you got to go back, and you got to be diligent. you got to be smart. I'm not saying being taken advantage of, but you have to be diligent in your effort. Come back to it. Uh, I, this is happening this week, and I'm not really ready for it, but it's happening this week. My daughter is learning to walk. Um, my baby. Uh, sorry, she's, she, she just turned one, and she, she like, wanted to walk at like six months, and then she's like, eh, nah. And so she hasn't even tried since. Like, you pick her up by the arms, she's like, no, nope, no, I know what you're doing. I'm going to sit down. I don't want nothing to do with it. So this week, she took her first step by herself. And she kind of looked at us, smiled, and just went, and said like, I'm good. I got that mastered. I am done. Right? She, she's not tried it again. did not care to. did not want to. We keep on picking her up. Nope, nope, nope. She's just like, no. You, if you've ever had a, a baby do that, you're like, I know exactly what you're doing. She has no, no drive to learn to walk. I've got that already. I did that. I got that star. I got that badge. In our Christian walk, we're so much like that. I said hi to my neighbor once. What else do you want from me, Jared? Right? Like, I did it once. The problem is my daughter, as she learns to walk, if she thinks all of that that, that is open to her was that one step, she's like, I crawl faster than this without the boom. Boom. Why would I do that? And so she's like, I'll go back to what's comfortable, and I'll crawl around. And her world perspective is always limited by her crawling. But what happens when she starts walking? You know what happens? Then she gets to run. And then she gets to run for long distance, and it opens the world up to all the different things that happen to, for you when you can run. You can do like my older daughter is doing and, and spins. She does not walk anywhere in our house. It's all cartwheels to go <laughs> everywhere in the house, Right? And you get, to, you get to start to do things like this and experience all that God has made you to be. The same thing applies for us and how we are diligent in loving our neighbor. We do it once or twice, and we're like, oh yeah, well then I got that. We're good. But there's a whole world out there of walking and running and experiencing all the other things that God has for us in those moments. Does this make sense? It's hard. I'm not saying it's hard. She's gonna skin her knees, she's gonna fall down, she's gonna cry. Guess what? The same thing happens to us as we love our neighbors. We're going to skin our knees. We're going to do stupid stuff. We're going to put our foot in our mouth. We're going to get hurt. But we're going to experience all that God has for us. We must be diligent in our effort. This this encapsulates what it means. What God is saying when he says, listen, you've got to love your neighbors yourself. You've got to grab this mindset and kind of and, and become this. So what I can do is I can be looking for opportunities. I can be obedient. I can be creative and I can be diligent. That's the philosophical background of how do I be a better neighbor? What does that practically look like in this context today? Uh, the practical application for you this morning is to leave your garage door open longer, right? Just leave your garage door open longer. Uh, for me, it's changing my behavior. I like, you know, everyone here lives with the idea of pulling pull in my driveway, I set a timer, how fast can I get in my house without anybody talking to me or talking to anybody else? It's my safe space, right? It's like, base! It's like you're playing uh, tag. Base, I'm free, no one can talk to me. Leave the garage door open. And that mindset of how do I, how do I talk to my neighbor onto the left or the right of me before I go in? How do, do I need to spend a little bit more time at the mailbox? Do I need to, what, what does that look like for me? I don't know just, this is just a simple change in our in our mindset to be a little bit more open to our neighbors. Uh, we're going through a list of of different mindset changes. Uh, in these weeks, last week was how we choose to stay present. How how we choose to be present with our neighbors and and in life. And this week is to how do we pray for our neighbors. Next week will be how do we play with our neighbors. And the week after that will be what do we say to our neighbors. So that's kind of the they all rhyme. You know you know I, I've never done anything with rhyming before. I don't think ever. So congratulations. Uh, but uh, so this week is all about how do we pray for our neighbors. And this might be a little bit different for you. Usually, I talk, when we talk about praying, I'm talking about internal practice of how you connect with God. And if you're very interested in that, you need a refresher on what that looks like. The podcast from October 29th is we really broke down what it looks like to pray in uh, the eternal idea of prayer. So if you missed that or you'd like a uh, rehash of that, go back there. Today, the churchy word for this is intercessory prayer, praying for others. And we make funny words because, I don't know. Scholars just have nothing else to do in seminaries. I don't know what, why. But intercessory prayer or praying for other people. And so that's what we're going to talk about the remainder of our time today. How do I pray for somebody else? And at the root of that is this. The most effective way to have an attitude shift about anything is to pray. And maybe you think, I don't want to have an attitude shift. I like my attitude. And it's badness. You know, I, I don't want an attitude shift, but the most effective way to have an attitude shift about anything is to pray. So if you are cranky with your wife, you're cranky with your kid, you're cranky with your neighbor, you're cranky with your job, whatever it is, let's, let's talk about that and how do we pray into that for an attitude shift? How do, we, how do we change our heart in these issues? The biggest tip I can give you on that is this. Pray for them, not about them. Pray for them, not about them. All right, we're going to come back to that. You're going to, you're going to hear that a few times here. But the idea is this. When I'm praying for someone, I'm bringing them to the throne of God. All right, all right, all right, all right, Here's Kelsey. She's coming with me. I'm praying for Kelsey. I'm having a problem with Kelsey, but God, I'm bringing her to the throne of God. I might be strangling her, but I'm bringing her to the throne of God. When you pray about someone, you're like, God, Kelsey's mean. Right? And we t- let's be honest, even as grown adults, we tattle on people to God. Can you believe what he did? He hurt me. He said mean things and he had a frown on his face. You can make fun of me if you want, but you do it. My boss was mean or this was that and that, this, this happened or she did this. And can you believe no one washed the dishes and blah, 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 blah. And I'm tattling because I don't have anyone else to tattle to. Pray for them, not about them. Understand? All right. What does prayer do? Prayer connects your heart with God's heart. Prayer is this act of just opening yourself up. And you may have never prayed before. And you're like, you come from a a background that doesn't have like real personal prayer. Prayer just opens your heart and connects it to God's heart. And God wants this connection. So prayer is just this moment of slowing yourself down and saying, God, I want to talk to you. For me, I use a lot of mental visualization. Uh, maybe that would help you. I I visualize if you if you're okay with this. I have I have little daughters and little daughters uh, excel at one amazing thing: climbing up and getting in your lap. They they, they have a master's degree in this. Like I don't know if it's, how it's inbred into them or whatever, but they just they get in there and they get the snot on your shoulder and they just mm, and they go for. Oh man, I love it. Even my little my little one year old, she's already starting to watching Kindle and going, "Oh, that's how you're supposed to get whatever you want." Okay, got it. And, you know, it's just. It's just this attitude of, ah, oh, I'm getting in there. And, and that's kind of the attitude sometimes I bring to prayers. God, I just need to, I need to get in your lap. And if that's not masculine enough for you, I get that. Like, you'd be like, well, I, I can't do that, Jared. <laughs> for me and my dad, how we bonded was, was playing catch, right? Field of dreams moment. Let's have a catch, dad, right? Like, just think about it this way. This is when me and my dad talked. Throwing a baseball at each other. And sometimes it was a little harder than it needed to be. But maybe this is the visualization you need to have in your, in your life. It's like, I just need to have a catch with my dad. And that's how we, we, I visualize prayer. Like, God, I'm just going to throw this to you. I'm coming into your presence. I'm going to be here in this moment. Because I think sometimes we make it all this, this stuff, and I've got to hold my tongue right, and I've got to be this person, and I've got to do these things. And what it is is just cuddling up on the couch, going out in the backyard, and if you put that in your brain, I think your heart can connect to God's heart maybe a little bit easier. We make it a lot more, just, we just make more, we do this to everything. We make everything a to-do list. I gotta do all these things right. Because we're so desperate for God to give us the results that we want that we're like, oh, if I, don't, if I do all these things, that's not what it's about. It's about connecting to God's heart. Uh Laura's got memory verse time, huh? Uh, so <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, so. <laughs> so how do we pray? Um, remember, prayer is not a honey-do list. It's not a, it's not a wish list. It's connecting with God's heart. And so how do we pray? You may pray generally. You have your prayer list, and you pray generally. God bless, uh, you know, be with this. And we, we have this blanket prayer. Uh, be with our leaders. Lord, uh, if you would heal all the six people in our congregation, if you would you know, be with the kids' school. And this is big general masking prayers. There's nothing broken or wrong with those. And I'll be honest with you, probably 75% of my prayers are these big general prayers. But what I want to ask for you today is if we're intentional about neighboring, is that we pray specific. We pray specific prayers. And the more specific we can get, the, the better. Because those, the, the, the specificity of our prayers, I like a $3 word, uh, you, you get in there and you just really get intentional with praying. So if I'm praying for my neighbor, then I start to, to kind of realign my head to go, okay, I'm praying for Troy and I'm praying for Troy in this and I'm praying for Troy in his neighbor in his, in his marriage. I'm praying for Troy in his parenting. I'm, pr- I'm not praying that, Oh, you know, Lord be with all my neighbors. Do you see the difference in, in those two things? Because the one is very specific and it starts to change my heart a little bit more. If I've poured out my heart praying for and lifting up, this is the intercessory part, lifting up my neighbor in, in very specific ways. So I want you to do this. I want you to, if you make your tic-tac-toe board of your neighbors, put your house in the middle of it, right? You've got houses all around you, probably eight, maybe some of us have seven, six, whatever. Um, but we have houses all around it. You fill those out with their names, I know all my neighbors' names. Okay, now I pray for them. Maybe you just pick a day. On Mondays, the Galettis get my prayer. On Tuesdays, the Salkis I know there's eight squares and there's only seven days of the week. You figure it out, okay? But you just do whatever you need to do, but intentionally on a day, say, I'm gonna pray for them. So if it's you, very specific, by house, by name, by issue, maybe you don't even know the issues, that's okay, you just pray for them by name. Maybe you don't know all their names, that's okay, go up and just pray for them for their house. I have a house across the street. There's cars coming and going all the time. I have no idea who's living there. I I don't know what's going on. I have no idea, but I can pray. Look, Lord, I pray for the person in the two-door silver car. Right? I pray for that person. I pray for the the person that drives the GTO. I pray for the person that drives the little Suzuki. Like, I can pray intentionally for them without even having to know their names. Now, if you pray for opportunities to get to know them, now I need to start putting names to the Suzuki and to the GTO and to the I can't remember with the little silver car. Uh, so, do you see what I'm saying? Because when we're praying specific, something breaks in our heart to say, "I got to know more about them. I got to love them deeper. I got I got to be more intentional about my time in this." This can change your life, and also can lead you to being the neighbor that God is calling you to be. Remember, you pray for them, not about them pray for them, not about them. So if I brought up uh, the Salkuses live two doors down, they've got a bunch of kids and little Sean has been sick a lot lately. And I don't know, he's just got been sick. I mean, it's wintertime in in Chicago, everyone's sick, right? But he gets sick all the time. So I'm going to pray, God, if you would just, if you would let Sean be the little 10 year old that he can be full of life, full of energy, that he would be healthy today, that whatever ailment he is dealing with, that you would, you would open up his lungs and let his, let his sinuses breathe clear, Lord, that you would just pray very specific. You see how intentional that is? Because now I can't be mad that Sean left his, you know, baseball bat in my front yard. If I was in there intentionally praying for Sean's health, do you see how that's different? Sean would never leave his stuff in my friend. I sometimes listen to our messages, so I want to be clear. Uh, but we pray for them specifically about them. And we can do that for everyone around us. Now, I'm not saying you've got to pray for three hours a day for every single person that lives within Shorewood. But if we just pick a house and start being specific about it, how your attitude will shift towards loving them and caring for them. And pray specifically for opportunities to love them. Pray for opportunities and be then what? Watchful, obedient, creative, and diligent. Do you see how those go together? When you start praying specifically for people, there's going to be all kinds of interesting opportunities. And you're going to go, oh, well, I don't know. You're going to come up with all kinds of excuses. Right? I just prayed for Sean today. If he comes over to the house, like, Jared, you probably should be obedient to a conversation you should probably be obedient to anything that, that I put on your plate. You should probably be obedient to that instead of just, oh, well, I'm But instead, we look for excuses, right? We look for roadblocks. We look, oh, just whatever would stop me, Lord. Please grab my hand because I don't actually want to jump out on faith here. But if we pray for the opportunities, we pray specifically for people, there's going to be all kinds of things that, that pop up in our lives that we can start to show the love of God into. Start leading them to Jesus in love. This applies not just to your neighbor. Because we get a little real here for a second. This applies to your wife. This applies to your husband. This applies to your kids. Because there's been many times I've prayed, Lord, be with Kelly, because this isn't going well. Lord, be with Bowen, but I don't strangle him. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just, That's who we are, Right? But this, that, this is not helpful. How about I pray specifically, God, let me fall more and more and more in love with Kelly today than I ever have been before. God, let me, I know she's got all this stuff going on and, and she's coming off the women's conference. God, I know that she's, she's taking on all this extra stuff at work, Lord, that you would be with her you would give her a wonderful witness at work, that you would make her hours longer in the day that she could get all this done, God, that you would give her a supernatural energy and creativity to get it all done. If I pray intentionally like that, instead of, God, Kelly's not paying attention to me. God, she hasn't cooked a dinner in three weeks. God, she hasn't. Nervous laughter, no elbow zone, right? (laughs) Intentionally about it. Maybe you've got a kid and he's just driving you bananas. God, my kid is the most inconsiderate. God, will you be with her heart? God, I don't know what they're dealing with and they've shut me out. Will you, will you let me open that door? Will you open a way for me to speak truth and love and life into their life? You see the difference between praying for someone and praying about someone? We gotta be a people that are praying for people and this will drastically change our relationships and the opportunities will come. And we've gotta be willing to be what? Watchful, obedient, creative, and diligent. It will change the relationships that we have. It will change our neighborhood and it will change our very home. Pray for them, not about them. As we close today, I want to be very specific in, in how we pray. I want to be very specific in how we lift up others. We don't have to know all the words. You don't have to know the church ease. You don't have to know all the technical terms or get your theology perfectly in line. You don't have to all of these things. What you're doing is connecting your heart with God's heart. And you're saying, Daddy, 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 will you fix this? Daddy, 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 this person's hurt, right? We had a girl in our house um, the other day. She she cut her hand on something in the basement, Just and blood was, like, going everywhere. I was like, oh, my gosh, what happened? It's just, you know, one of those cuts in your fingers that just blood goes everywhere. And I'm like, oh, no. And the kids, daddy, 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 daddy. They hurt themselves. They hurt themselves. And, like, blood's going all over the carpet. And I'm like, okay, let's care about the kid, not about the carpet. Okay, care about the kid, not the carpet. Care about the kid, not the carpet. All right, so, right? And so I, I... But I thought the idea was wonderful and, and, and to transpose that into how we pray and how we lift up is to say that we get to be children that bring other children to their daddy. To say they're hurt and I don't, can't fix it and I can't do the things. I, I don't know what to, God, daddy fix. That's our attitude in neighboring. That's our attitude in how we, we lift up our wives or our husbands and that's how we lift up our children. Let's pray together. Band, come on up. God, thank you so much for today, and thank you for this moment. Lord, I, I want to be a better neighbor. I want to look for the opportunities. I want to be obedient. I want to share in these moments with my neighbors. I want to rejoice when my neighbors have victories and when their kids have victories. Lord, I want to be intentional and specific enough to know their heart cries. And God, even if I have a strained relationship, even if I have have tension there, Lord, let me be specific enough to, to just to pray intentionally for them. Lord, for our marriages and for our parenting, if there's tension there, let us be obedient in lifting them up. Let us be diligent in these moments. God, let us not pray about people, but pray for them. If you would make it just so overwhelmingly poignant in our lives that we would know that I've got to talk to this person. I've got to say something. I've got to do something. That you would just wait that on our lives. That we'd take the risks. That we would take the jumps. That we would make the awkward conversations. That you would give us the opportunities to be neighbors. To love you with everything that we have. And love our neighbor as ourself. We love you, Jesus. In your wonderful name I pray. Amen.